As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, if the 49ers had any margin for error as far as trying to sneak back into the playoff race, it's completely gone now. They lose to the Bills 34-24. Their defense looks absolutely terrible in doing so, and their offense, while it put up some yards, looked bad in really key spots. So you combine those two things and you lose to a good football team. Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, was just unbothered all game. One sack for Deion Jordan that the 49ers promptly wasted, but Josh Allen went 32 of 40, 375 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, a quarterback rating of 139.1. So that gives you an idea of what kind of day it was for the 49ers defense. Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs combined for 19 catches and Something like 220 yards. I can't even add up how many yards they had. That's how many it was. And then there was like seven other Buffalo receivers who caught passes. Pass rush was non-existent. And then they just kept on showing Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle up in the stands. And uh, Matt, I thought it was fitting because right now as we speak or when people will listen to this, it is a year to the date of the 49ers beating New Orleans, 48 to 46. And Kyle Shanahan came out and said, well, yeah, I, I kind of figured that would happen to our defense. We, we needed a New Orleans like offensive performance from last season and I just don't think that's realistic to expect without the full arsenal of offensive weapons. Yeah that New Orleans game keeps uh, kind of cropping up in, in comparison to this one. The 49ers remember were, were on the road they spent that week before that game in, in Bradenton Florida. They're obviously in, in Arizona now kind of practicing in a in a nice warm weather environment. And you're right. I mean, Shanahan said that he thought that uh, this game would be the kind of shootout that uh, the 49ers had against the Saints in New Orleans last year. And that, you know, you needed a, uh, a flawless offensive performance in order to, to win that game. Uh, and they didn't get that, obviously. But you're right. I feel like the defense was the story of the game. The stat that jumps out to me, 31 first downs by the Bills. That's a lot of first downs. By comparison, in last year's shootout, the Saints had 28. So the Bills had three more than that. The 49ers' game plan obviously was to make Josh Allen matriculate the ball down the field methodically. 
Hopefully he makes a, uh, a few mistakes along the way. He's still a young quarterback. Well, you know, he was really good. He did not oblige them in, in making those mistakes. In fact, he only had eight incompletions all game. So he was close to stellar, Dennis, in this game. I don't know what the answer was. You know, whenever they tried to blitz him, the, the blitzes didn't arrive, and he gouged them for even bigger plays. So... They were sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't in that game. But that defense, wow, it just looked vanilla. They were just kind of taking punches the whole game. This is what I saw. I saw you had a perfect example in tonight's game of a NFL franchise quarterback in Josh Allen, and then you had Nick Mullins, a backup. And you look at the defense, and I don't know what the game plan was, Sala, but that soft coverage, he looked like a Hall of Fame quarterback against this defense because it was just pitch and throw. The first quarter was exciting. Second quarter, I, I thought the game was over because I, I just didn't feel like the 49ers could ever get off the football field because first and second down, they're gash plays. They're eight yard, 10 yards. I don't know if they even got into a third down situation until late in the football game because the defense played so soft. And you've, and you've both said it, no pass rush. Uh, Deion Jordan had that one sack, but that was it. And penalties, penalties at the wrong time, penalties at third down. You know, when the defense could get off the field, they kept that offense on the field and then they scored. So I don't understand what the game plan was defensively, but it didn't work and it never changed throughout the football game. I don't know if, if the 49ers were afraid of the deep ball even though they gave up some deep balls, but it looked like the game plan was to catch everything in front of me and I'll make a tackle. But the defensive backs could not close on the ball fast enough. I think one of the issues here is the 49ers ran into two good offensive tackles. And this is something that's an issue for this team when they're so low on edge rushing talent. Obviously, no Nick Bosa, but there are many more problems beyond that. D Ford, Ronald Blair, all those guys probably done for the year. You look at the track record of the 49ers against good offensive lines. This season, they played three offensive lines in the top four of the pass block win rate that ESPN does. They've played Green Bay, number one, they played Arizona, who's number three, surprisingly, this year. And on Monday night, they played Buffalo, who's number four. Remember, against Arizona, 49ers did fine because they had Nick Bosa. They actually had D. Ford playing in that game. It wasn't a defense that cost them that game. They were getting some decent pressure in that game. But then you move forward to the Green Bay game where the 49ers don't have you know, star power on the edge. I mean, Kerry Hyder has been playing way above his head, but they still don't have those two really powerful edge rushers to change a game. And Green Bay waltzed all over him. Aaron Rodgers threw with impunity downfield. Same thing here against Buffalo. When the tackles are good and the other team's edge rushers are mediocre and overachievers at best, which I think is, you know, the category the 49ers find themselves in, you're not going to get much pressure on the quarterback. And Buffalo just stonewalled them. You look at Josh Allen, 41 dropback and he was hit on, I think, only one of them today, which was the G Deion Jordan sack, which ended up, you know, being all for naught for the 49ers because Buffalo picked up a first down two plays later. So you can throw blitzes at the Bills if you're the 49ers, and I think they threw a few today, but Josh Allen beat those two, and the 49ers defense sure looked helpless in all regards. Yeah, I agree. And, and to Dennis's point, I mean, it was in sharp contrast to what was happening on the 49ers offense, which Nick Mullins getting constantly harried and, you know, not being the, the quarterback that Josh Allen is. And the bottom line is that the 49ers at this point are playing their backups as starters. And so 
when you have that situation, then the backups become, you know, even lesser quality type of players. It's looking as if that's going to be an even bigger problem because DJ Jones, going back to our, you know, last year Saints analogy, remember he got hurt early in that game, actually stayed in that game for a little while, but turned out he had a, a really bad high ankle sprain missed all of the playoffs, contemplated surgery, and, you know, basically was out for most of December. Well, early in this game, again, it looks like it's going to be another high ankle sprain for him. If it is, he's unlikely to be on hand for these last four games. And so you have Kevin Givens playing his spot. And Kevin Givens has played very well, but he's a three-technique type of guy. He's not a nose tackle. So the 49ers are going to be without a key component of that defensive line. And Kevin Givens played really well against the Rams. And to your point, David, you know, the same guys were basically in there against the Bills. And the Bills have a better offensive line than the Rams do. And so, like you said, they were stonewalled. The same group that looked so good against Los Angeles just looked inept or they didn't have anything really against the Bills. It was just a good Bills team. And uh, afterwards, the 49ers didn't have a lot of answers as to what went wrong. They were just beaten. They were beaten by a hotter, superior offense in this game. You talk about yet another injury to a key guy. I mean, this has just been the season from hell for them. The COVID and the injuries before the season start, the injuries after the second week, you know, losing your starting quarterback, all the injuries. And, you know, the hope was that you would get some of these guys back this time of year, and then it would become explosive again. And tonight you had Brandon Ayuk and you had Debo in the game, but I, I don't think Debo was used early in the football game. You saw a lot of yards. If you look at his stats, it looks like he had a pretty decent game, but early in the game you didn't see much of him and I thought that was going to be something that was going to take the pressure off of a Nick Mullins is you have your playmakers get them the ball on the perimeter you know jet sweeps and uh those these tunnel screens and give them the ball in the backfield so you can you can build that run you saw in the first series it was it was heavy run and they went down the field didn't score the score the touchdown but eventually got the touchdown I don't think you saw Nick Mullins use his weapons and then when the game kind of was on his shoulders when he had to make decisions he had to make the throws had a couple good throws but he missed a lot of throws too and I think that's what you get with Nick Mullins I mean outside the numbers it's gonna be hard for him to make those completions and you know he's heavy you know in between the numbers but I think with the 49ers there are some weapons on that offense I just didn't see him used early in the football game Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, here's a stab for you. The 49ers only rushed 21 times all game. You know, the Monday Night Football crew was making it sound like they couldn't run. I don't think that was... That wasn't the case. They averaged over four yards a carry. There were some big gains. Dennis, as you mentioned, they rushed a lot on that first drive. But 
after that first drive and then after the first quarter, the 49ers only rushed nine times in this game. And we talked about how shoddy Buffalo's run defense was. That's definitely not the blueprint for the 49ers. They definitely wanted to rush the ball more than nine times after the end of the first quarter, but they didn't because of what you're talking about. Nick Mullins missed too many opportunities when it really mattered early in this game. Yes, they did score on that first time down after the fumble and that whole mess, but it's after it became 7-7 where the 49ers failed twice on two third and very manageable downs. One was a third and five, one was a third and six. The third and five clanged off of Jordan Reed. It looked like some kind of miscommunication on the route. And the third and six, well, Colton McKivitz just got steamrolled by a Buffalo blitz. We knew that Buffalo was going to blitz a lot. The 49ers weren't ready for it on that third and six. Mullins gets creamed and throws a little duck that falls incomplete. And, you know, on those two possessions where the 49ers were not able to keep the line moving, hold serve against the Bills, the Bills turn around and they score 10 points against the 49ers. Boom, two possession lead. Pressure's on no matter, you know, what the 49ers do offensively from there on out. And there were still more mistakes, but they did gain a lot of yards. There was yardage to be had, but no matter what they did, they weren't going to catch the Bills on this day. So, Matt, it was a matter of not blinking. It was a game that the 49ers were going to have to hold serve in, and they didn't hold serve on those two key third downs early on, and that caused everything else to unravel, including you know the abandonment of the run game, which would have been the key to hang in this one, but the 49ers obviously didn't execute it. Yeah, there's some odd poetry. I, I call it bad poetry happening to the 49ers right now, and it's that when Kyle Shanahan was with, I think it was with when he was with Houston, and they would face Tennessee twice a year, that's when Shanahan first came into contact with this wide nine concept. The Titans were running it back then, and Shanahan's teams had a hard time running to the outside against that wide nine, and that's why Shanahan really wanted to hire Chris Kasurik last offseason and why they started using a, a wide nine of their own this year because it's a it's an effective defense. Well, lately, the last few games, teams have been lining up a defensive end in that nine position, way out wide, creating a better angle, you know, to the quarterback, and but also to kind of stop those outside runs. And so they illustrated that during the game, one of the uh, announcers did, that when the Bills would line up way outside like that, the, the 49ers would run inside. And to David's point, they were still having being a effective doing that, averaging more than four carries a game. What it prevents, though, is those outside runs that have been the bread and butter of this team where the the 49ers can really gouge you, especially when Raheem Mostert is in there. He's a, a fine inside runner, but he's a spectacular outside runner. Teams are taking that away. So the 49ers don't really have that option anymore, and it's taking away a big piece of uh, what has been successful for this offense last year and this year. And in that wide nine, it creates just a natural run lane, you know, back to the inside. And I think, you know, when you look at uh, Raheem, that's what he does really well, too. He's got great vision, and I don't know how many yards he had, but some of those big gainers early that first quarter, that first drive, he was cutting the ball back a little bit and and you know when you play that wide nine it's great to protect you know to set that edge on the corner but it also creates a cutback lane too so i don't think i saw any of those jet sweeps that kyle calls and he and it's so successful with debo i didn't see any of those early in the game like i said that first series i was excited i was like yeah weapons are back this is going to be a good game but the second quarter the 49ers had nothing it was three and out you know i guess it was a good 
defensive game plan by the Bills, but it just looked like the 49ers offense just kind of went kaput. And then after that, it was, you know, it was you're behind. Now you got to start throwing the ball and you have a quarterback that really can't, you know, stretch a defense or threaten a defense down. And then you see Tevin Coleman. I mean, I don't understand what he brings, you know, to this offense. I think the couple times he was in there, it was it was negative yards. So I think it was just on both sides of the ball, it was just a bad game plan. Yeah, but Tevin Coleman did hurt the averages for the 49ers. Two carries, negative 11 yards, a long of negative two, an average of negative 5.5. But uh, Wilson and Mostert both got the job done when they did get the ball. Wilson, seven carries. 47 yards at 6.7. Mostert, nine carries, 42 yards. It's 4.7. Kyle Juszczyk had a nice day running. It looked like he had a touchdown. He was just a little bit short, but then he also got the 49ers on their very first play of the game, you know, out of the shadow of their own goalpost with a nice run of five yards. So everybody ran well, except for Coleman. The problem is there just weren't enough runs to go around. And uh, Debo Samuel only got that one carry, as you guys mentioned. So I think the 49ers would have certainly liked to have run the ball more. The problem is you have to succeed on those critical third down to get into position to run more. Otherwise, especially when your defense is struggling as much as it is, you're going to get behind and you're going to get off schedule. And I think that there just was very little margin for error for the offense in this game. And the offense committed the errors in that area where there wasn't any margin today. And it was because the defense was so bad. Let's be honest about what was the truly glaring, lacking aspect of this 49ers performance. It was the non-existent pass rush. I've talked about this before. The NFL Next Gen stats, they track the pass rushers, how far away they are from the quarterback on average when he releases the ball. Every single single 49ers pass rusher was an average of about 5.5 yards away from Josh Allen today when he released the ball. I've never seen a performance that bad. And I've been tracking that all year, all the teams this year. I haven't seen, normally you get at least one guy is three yards away. You know, one guy that's outperforming everybody. Niners normally have Kerry Hyder doing that. Nobody was getting close to Josh Allen today on the averages and that ended up bad and and then there was a couple plays that I thought were just killers for the 49ers you know had they gone a different way they might have had a chance the first one was Contavia Street I mean what a terrible personal foul penalty shoving Josh Allen down 49ers would have had a third and 18 to defend after that and a chance to march right back into the game they couldn't do it earlier on Richard Sherman had an illegal contact or some kind of holding penalty that negated a Fred Warner interception and then there was one more can't really remember off the top top of my head, but I do remember it being a blown opportunity uh, from the defense. Oh, it was the Deion Jordan play. They get the sack and then two plays of terrible coverage after, and the Bills are right back on schedule the first down. So the 49ers had three opportunities defensively to really change the tide of the game, and they whiffed on all three. Yeah, I throw uh, that fourth and two play uh, early in the fourth quarter. The, you know, the 49ers had crawled back to within 10 points at that point, and, you know, the Bills just marched right down the field, including a fourth and two where Josh Allen took a, a deep, Dropped back and found uh, Stefan Diggs, who had crossed right in front of Jason Verrett, and they, they gained seven yards. And later, they iced the cake, so to speak, with that wide-open touchdown. Two wide-open touchdowns in this game. This was the one where Richard Sherman kind of stepped forward into, into the flat, and there was absolutely no one behind him. I don't know what the uh, the mess-up was on that play. Sherman seemed to say that there were multiple mess-ups on it, uh, that, that the Bills were doing something that they hadn't really prepared for. But I, I didn't think it was a, a very good game for Tarvarius Moore. Uh, I think that's his second uh, straight game where he's uh, he's allowed some big plays, both as a tackler and as a as a safety. Remember, 
they they drafted Tarverius Moore with the thought that let's turn him into a cornerback. So there were there were things in his game coming out of college that that told the 49ers, okay, this guy would be a better cornerback than a safety. And, and I think we're starting to see those. He's not good at, at breaking down, coming up and, and making tackles. And I, I just don't see how you can be a safety and have that glaring weakness in your game. Uh, so... Uh, a, that, that tells me that they've got the one safety spot, Jimmy Ward, figured out for next year. They don't have the second spot figured out. I don't know what they're going to do there. And two, um, uh, you know, is Tarverius Moore a cornerback? Is he, is he a, a free safety? What is he? What's going to be his role on this team? Because uh, I just don't think that he's an every-down safety. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the yardage he's given up the last two games is, but there have been some big plays, some big gains, uh, because he's not making plays in space, or he's blowing coverages, uh, and, and you just can't have that. At this point in his career, he's in his third season, his second is safety. That's got to be fixed uh, moving forward. Yeah, and you know we haven't talked about that slot position either. That was a glaring mismatch the entire night that uh, was just exposed. And again, that's just injuries. You know, no no K1 out there. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley's not out there, and you know Dante Johnson he got picked on a little bit. There's so many different areas, and you know I understand we're talking about a team that's got a lot of injuries, and also there's a team that went to the Super Bowl last last year. But there's a lot of of things that this team needs to kind of address, and I think the secondary is one. And I mean, you watch this football game, and and you know. The touchdowns you got you got defensive backs with their arms up like you know what happened, you know it's it's broken coverage it's miscommunication whatever it is but you know this off season is going to happen and you you have to address that secondary I mean you got a quarterback you have to figure out you got a pass rush you need to figure out but that secondary you got to get better in coverage and coverage and and pass rush I mean they go hand in hand if you got good coverage you get good pass rush and if you get good pass rush you get good coverage but. David, you just said the the closest defensive lineman was five yards. I think the closest defensive back to receiver was 10 yards. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's something you got to address. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. They have so much work to do with the cap and re-signings in the secondary. I mean, all those big-name veterans are going to be free agents this offseason. So it's going to be a fascinating process as the 49ers try to to retool what they have there on the back end. And then obviously, I mean, the way that Robert Sala's scheme works, and we'll see if Robert Sala is still the defensive coordinator next year or if the 49ers tweak the scheme. But in general, if you take this zone scheme back to the Seattle days – uh, it didn't become, you know, the success story that it, you know, is now until Seattle got really good edge rushers, and also Michael Bennett, who rushed from the interior. But Cliff Averill, I mean, he was roaring around the edge for Seattle in that 2013 season, and that just made everybody on the back end play faster. They were able to be more aggressive, and today the 49ers just quite simply didn't have that. So then you saw everybody like Sherman 
like Jason Verrett back on their heels because they don't want to get burned over the top. I know they still did today, but um, it felt like their hands were tied in that way. And then the the blitzes just weren't cohesive. I mean, I remember there was a blitz where it seemed that two 49ers linebackers or it might have been one DB and Greenlaw semi-committed to the blitz, but they weren't sure if they were supposed to be blitzing. So what ends up happening is that neither of those two guys net a pressure and they're both just worthless defenders on the play. They're in no man's land, half blitzing. So that, that was inexcusable for the 49ers. And another thing, I mean, this is a more hidden cost of the offense not doing the job right, but the way I look at blitzes is they're like bullets. You know, you have a certain amount of bullets that you can fire per game before an offense figures out each blitz and then burns you on that blitz. So you have to use them wisely and you have to conserve them and you have to use them, you know, at, at spots that, that they're really going to make a difference at. And because the 49ers offense at the end of the first half, when they got the ball back with like 247 left, wasn't able to drain out that entire clock and kick a field goal or, you know, at least just keep Buffalo's offense off the field. The Bills got the ball back with a minute left. And Robert Sala, because he was so desperate to stop the Bills from scoring, had to use his most valuable blitz. It was a corner blitz, I think, from Verrett with a minute left. And it worked on that first down. Josh Allen had to throw it away. But guess what? You can't use that blitz again because it's going to get burned the rest of the game. So because of the offensive failures, it exposed the defense there a little bit. And then Robert Sala was out of tricks in the second half. So I guess we talk about complimentary football when it goes right, Matt. Today, complimentary football went wrong. I thought both sides of the football hurt each other. Yeah, you know, the 49ers seem surprised by this. I mean, you know, we asked them about, you know, how disruptive was it to, to move to Arizona? And, you know, was that a factor in this game? They all said, no, absolutely not. In fact, we had really good practices uh, leading up to it. That's why it reminded me of that Bradenton, Florida practices. They sort of caught their breath in Florida last year, too, and that's what led into that Saints game. So they were energized. They felt like they were well-prepared. Dre Greenlaw said that there weren't very many things that the Bills were doing that the 49ers hadn't prepared for. It was just that the Bills were doing it better. I guess this is a question for Dennis were there ever games that you guys had uh, in your day where you felt, you know, well prepared, uh, great practices going in, and then the game happens and it just it just is not clicking for some reason? It's, it doesn't have to do with the preparation. Doesn't have to do with anything. It just has to do with one team being on and one team being off that particular day. I mean, if this is how the 49ers prepared for this football game with this soft zone coverage, you've already kind of defeated yourself. If you're playing 10 yards off receivers and you're giving up eight yards, you know, on first down or an in route, you know, on the second down and, and not even trying to line up for a third down, you've prepared wrong. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And I, and I heard what Kyle said that, you know, being in Arizona, it was business as usual. And, and and I believe that to be true, but I believe you have to prepare the right way. And and if you went out there this week and you prepared to play this game with a quarterback uh, like Josh Allen and you're going to give him eight yards on first down, you were, I mean, your game plan is all jacked up. And you got to rethink that. And they have to do the same thing uh, this week as they did last week. And you got to prepare against another, you know, veteran quarterback that if you let him get in a rhythm and you give him soft coverage, like you did tonight, he's gonna to pick you apart. So you have to prepare the right way. And I'm sure we've we had games when I was playing that, you know, we went out there, we we thought we prepared right, and they came out and, and ran the ball or threw the ball up and down the field on us. But you have to prepare 
in a right way. And if you you look at this offense, and, and the key had to be, if you look at the way Joey Bosa, I mean, he was getting pressure. Maybe that was a game plan that they felt like Deion Jordan was going to be that guy that was going to get the pressure, but it didn't happen. But that soft zone, I mean, if you prepared like that, you had a bad idea just coming out the gate. Yeah, it looked very 2018-esque in, in the bad games in 2018, which is, isn't good for the 49ers. Well, to wrap up, why don't we look to see at, at the big picture here. Four games left for the 49ers. They're 5-7. and seven. You have to figure that 9-7 and seven would give them a decent shot. It, it, you know, it's not a foolproof shot that, that – 10 and 6 would would have been in all likelihood but 9 and 7 could still give him a decent shot. That means they have to run the table. That's what I meant by margin for error is gone. Uh it's best to take this one week at a time and that means Washington next week. Washington actually beat Pittsburgh, the last unbeaten team on Monday right before the 49ers played 23-17. What Washington brings is one of the best defensive lines in football. They've actually emulated the 49ers of last year a little bit in uh, you know, just building a powerful defensive line all the way to using a very high draft pick on an Ohio State edge rusher who developed under Larry Johnson um, <laughs> So in, in Chase Young. So you have a, a monumental challenge for the 49ers offensive line next week, but the Washington offensive line and offense in general, which features Alex Smith making his return to play the 49ers, is much weaker than the Bills. So I would expect a totally different type of game next week um, and a chance for the 49ers to, to get back on track and something that's a low-scoring affair versus something they would have had a win in a shootout. Um, and I'm sure the 49ers like that right now, Matt, because the defense isn't playing well right now and they need to somehow, some way, get back on track with Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle still out. Yeah, I mean, if the 49ers end, end the season 9-7, and seven, it means that they've beaten the Cardinals. So I do like their chances in, in that regard. Um, they would have to overtake the Cardinals and also overtake the Vikings. The Vikings finish up at Tampa, so there's a potential loss there versus Chicago at New Orleans, there's a potential loss there. And at Detroit, Detroit, you know, uh, has been playing uh, pretty well. I mean, uh, they've got a, a, a good defense and a veteran quarterback, um, obviously uh, some, some coaching issues there. But my point being, 9-7, uh, and seven, I think, would do it. 9-7 and seven gives you that, that number seven uh, spot. And uh, I think you're right. I mean, the, the, the Washington team is built a lot like the 49ers. Uh, a lot of former first-round picks on that defensive line, and you saw that defensive line at work today against Pittsburgh. Uh, but a beatable team the next week uh, in Dallas, that's a winnable game for the 49ers as well. The, the, the Win those two, and then you know the, the big game, the, the playoff-caliber game, and the 49ers are used to playing those types of games in the month of December – is ironically at home, quote unquote, against the Cardinals. So uh, that that's shaping up to be absolutely massive. Uh, but the 49ers need to get there first. They need to win these next two winnable games against NFC East teams uh, that don't have a lot of firepower to them anymore. Um, and um, you know th that's going to be the question. Yeah, the 49ers, Dennis, did catch a break because. Washington was not originally scheduled to play on a Monday, obviously. Um, all the COVID stuff involving Pittsburgh and, and the Ravens 
the previous week forced that game to be played on a Monday. So both teams are, are dealing with a short week. Washington has the added disadvantage of having to fly uh, most of the way across the country. I'm going to try to be positive. I, I think it's going to be tough for the 49ers to run the table. You know, you, you look at the way Alex Smith is planned. Alex Smith is, as we all know, a game manager, but he's a smart game manager. He's a check down king. If you don't get pressure on him, he can pick you apart. You know, when you have a quarterback that just sits in the pocket, I mean, he kills he kills the 49ers every time. And and Alex is, is a veteran. He's smart. You know, he knows the coverages. He's going to be able to see if there's going to be, a you know, these this zone, this soft zone coverage. And you got to play better on defense. You got to get after the quarterback. Somehow you got to manufacture some type of pass rush to get after, get after Alex Smith because he'll pick you apart. Dallas, you got to go on the road. You got to get on the road. You got to go and play Dallas. So, you know, I think that's a tough game. And then you got your divisional games that, you know, you've had your issues with. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team kind of generates energy to kind of finish off this push. Well, they got to do it one at a time. I mean, that's what we were saying before this week. And uh, now, the, you know, if there was a mulligan available, and it won't be clear until after the season if there actually was, but the 49ers hope there was, it. they, they used the mulligan tonight, a 34-24 loss to Buffalo. Short week, but Washington also on a short week as the 49ers tried to uh, put – together some more success because uh, obviously Monday night was not successful for them when they return to the field next Sunday. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time in the middle of this week as we preview the 49ers in Washington. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi signing off from the Here's the Catch podcast. <laughs>